When we invest in infrastructure, we're investing in the future and the present. It's not just something far off. These are jobs. And, and as you know, at Siemens, I mean, some of the things that you've done, I remember going into and looking up in this, inside of the wind turbine, you know, here in Delaware. Uh, and, and it was just incredible to think that you're making us more energy efficient. You're helping the planet. We're creating jobs. It's, it, it's like a win, win, win. And I think that that's what this moment presents when we look at building back better. And also to see infrastructure, not just in the traditional roads and bridges, but things like solar and wind, clean energy. It also creates a, a, a new vision in terms of broadband and internet. Hello everyone, I'm Barbara Humpton, CEO of Siemens USA, and thanks for tuning in to the Optimistic Outlook podcast. Crisis gives us an opportunity to shape the future we want. I've been returning to this concept throughout the podcast. It's really the guiding spirit behind my Optimistic Outlook and what's guided me even during the most challenging times of the pandemic. And as we speak, as America reopens, that opportunity is now before us. We continue to make progress, reopening the country, rebuilding the economy. Now we also have a vision for transforming America's infrastructure in the Biden-Harris administration's American Jobs Plan that can help us get to work shaping that future, creating a world that's more resilient, more sustainable, and more equitable. I've called the American Jobs Plan a proposal to build for the next century of American growth and leadership. It reflects much of what I wrote in an open letter on infrastructure earlier this year, as I've urged our government leaders to embrace a broader view for American infrastructure that goes well beyond roads and bridges. And I have a very special guest with us today who's going to do just that, Congresswoman Lisa Blunt Rochester, or LBR, representing Delaware. You'll hear her views on a number of topics. She'll share with us her thoughts on how we build a 21st century workforce. And in particular, you'll hear the Congresswoman focus on why infrastructure modernization should emphasize the transformation of America's buildings as she tells us about her legislation called the Open Back Better Act. Take a listen. Congresswoman Blunt Rochester, welcome to the podcast. I'm really eager to have a discussion with you about infrastructure and discuss the Open Back Better Act you've introduced, but I want us to reflect a moment on your personal journey first. You started as a congressional intern for then representative Tom Carper more than 30 years ago. You then went on to several leadership roles in Delaware, serving as Secretary of Labor and State Personnel, and now you serve your state with Senator Carper as part of Delaware's congressional delegation. And throughout your career, you've broken barriers. In this moment of disruption, what's the most important thing that government and we in business need to be thinking about doing together to prepare all people to break barriers and to grow and succeed in the 21st century economy? Well, well, first of all, Barbara, let me say thank you so much for having me today in this conversation. I love, love, love the title, um, you know, Optimistic Outlook. I am what I call a pragmatic optimist. Um, and I, the realization that you have to have hope, especially when things are challenging. 
But you also have to have it in a way that's like, how do we realistically get things done? Um, how are we most effective? And I think your first question is such an important one. Um, you mentioned this time of disruption. And the reality is it is disruption on so, so many levels, everything from a pandemic and the health impacts of that to our mental health, as well as physical health, um, to our economic health. We have that. Then in this past you know, year, 16 months, we saw the tragic murder of George Floyd and the impact that that had on our country in terms of opening people's eyes to some of the issues that some folks have lived with for centuries and others are just realizing this is that reality. And then a most recent, the insurrection on January 6th and the realization that if we believe strongly in the ideals and the principles on which this country was founded, then we have to stand up for those ideals and we have to not give up. And so I think as I, I reflect on what government can do in this moment and what the business sector can do, the private sector can do, lead. That's the number one thing, be leaders. And to me, you know, as I look at all of those things I mentioned, I have these four A's that um, I, I kind of coined years ago when I was working in state government as a head of state personnel. Um, and I was actually tasked with, um, actually tasked with uh, investigating our state police um, for racial discrimination. And the four A's that I came up with are um, awareness, acknowledge, action, and accountability. In this moment, it starts with awareness. The awareness that we as a country, our demographics are shifting and, and changing. We have an older workforce. Um, we have a workforce that doesn't necessarily want to come to work every single day and you know punch a clock. Um, there's a new, as some are calling it, the great reassessment that people are doing with their own lives. And so one is just the awareness that we are diverse as a country and that that diversity is our strength. The second thing is acknowledging. We have to acknowledge. The pandemic showed us historic disparities and inequities. And so as we talk about building back better and, and opening back better, we have to do it through a lens that recognizes and acknowledges, not just sees it, but acknowledges some of those historic things, that the foundations that we've got to deal with today. The third thing is action. It is the worst thing that any of us can do to bring up these issues, to raise them within our companies or um, our organizations, and then not act on them. Because then people are doubly harmed. And then people feel doubly, the weight is even greater. And then the last piece is accountability. How do we measure those changes? How do we measure what we say are our values? There has to be an accountability piece, even for elected officials. Part of that accountability is if we don't do our jobs, then you need to vote us out. And so our word um, in my office this year is impact. How can we have the greatest impact, positive impact on the greatest number of people? If we're not doing that, why are we in this job? So to me, it is leadership. We need to lead and recognize we're in it together. There is a role for government to play. There's a role for the private sector to play, nonprofit, communities, families, all of us, there's a role for us to play. Thank you for that. And at Siemens, we truly have been focused, especially on action. 
looking at actions where we as a business really have an outsized contribution to make. So we're thinking a lot here about how we don't leave anyone behind. And clearly a key part of that is fully reopening education. We know how difficult virtual education has been for so many. And our view is that we now have all the tools we need to do this safely. The American Rescue Plan has now added to the funding available for schools to move these projects forward. How's the effort to reopen schools doing from your perspective, Congresswoman? Well, I, you know, first of all, I think it was one of the key things that, you know, families, communities, children wanted to see happen. Um, we know that this pandemic has had an outsized impact and that kids being able to go to childcare and go to school also helps parents and guardians and others go to work. And so the American Rescue Plan was a huge huge investment um, in ensuring that we could open back safely. And again, the number one priority is to follow the science and do what, you know, what is in the best health interests of everyone. And then to make sure that we have those investments. So the bill provided $170 billion to help K through 12 schools and institutions of higher education to reopen safely in person. But we also know that a part of that includes vaccinations and making sure that, you know, whether it's the parents, the students, the, the kids, that they have opportunities to be vaccinated so that we can open back safely. That investment does everything from making sure that our schools are, um, you know, safe and prepared and have the, the, the you know, the tools that they need, um, but also um, our, you know, our, our high, you know, physically, um, hygienically, perfect so that uh, kids can go back safely to school. So I think you're now starting to see that, but we also know that there are a lot of people and a lot of places that haven't yet fully opened and the impact that that has. Um, you know, some are calling this past uh, 14, 16 months a she session because it also has affected women disproportionately. Four million women left the workforce and a, a half of them have come back. And part of that is making sure that our schools, our childcare is, is available so that we can also have a strong economy. Indeed, and actually this leads us nicely into what I was hoping we'd cover with infrastructure, specifically transforming our built infrastructure, how buildings fit into the idea of 21st century infrastructure. Yes. By bringing bold policy objectives like those in Open Back Better and leadership to climate action, we're setting the stage to shape a world that's more resilient, more sustainable and more equitable. Can you speak a little about your work on the Energy and Commerce Committee and with the administration on infrastructure? Yes. Well, first of all, I can't even tell you how happy I am to be on the Energy and Commerce Committee. Um, it's one of the exclusive committees in the House of Representatives, and I really worked hard to get on this committee because it really is uh, the, the late uh, chairman, John Dingell, said, if it moves its energy, if it stays still, it's commerce. Um, we have jurisdiction over everything. Um, but it really is a committee that has broad jurisdiction. So in addition to things like the Lift America Act and the Clean Futures Act, which has my Open Back Better bill in it, um, my bill is you know, focused on our public buildings like libraries and, and, and schools and hospitals, making sure that they're energy efficient. So think about it. When we do that, the intersection is it creates jobs. It helps with our health and wellness. Um, it also helps the environment. 
And then lastly, a, a core component of it is to focus on those communities that have been hardest hit. Many times low wealth communities or communities of color. So there's a specific investment in those communities and it is grant opportunities to be able to open back better. You know, again, it's like that intersection of all of those different things that when we invest in infrastructure, we're investing in the future and the present. We're, we're not, we're not, it's not just something far off. These are jobs. And, and as you know, at Siemens, I mean, some of the things that you've done, I remember going into um, the, and looking up in this, inside of the wind turbine, you know, here in Delaware. Uh, and, and it was just incredible to think that you're making us more energy efficient. You're helping the planet. We're creating jobs. It's it, it's like a win-win-win. And I think that that's what this moment presents when we look at building back better. It presents an opportunity to do that and, and also to see infrastructure, not just in the traditional roads and bridges, but things like solar and wind, clean energy, it also creates a, a, a new vision in terms of broadband and internet. What we saw from this pandemic is that, you know, it, it was okay for some people who had access to these things, but in many rural parts of our country, um, in places where there are, you know, these basically uh, broadband deserts, you know, families would have to go to parking lots and, you know, to try to get access. And so this, creates an opportunity for us to see broadband as the new electricity, as a, as a representative Whip, Jim Clyburn always says, it's basically the electricity of our times. And so uh, to me, again, the, the bills are really intended to do those different things and also get the money to the local levels where they know what their real needs are. You know, So that it's, it's an exciting time and it presents opportunity but it also means that, you know, back to the pragmatic optimism, um, we've got to find ways to work across party lines so that we can kind of, and, and that's what we did with the CARES Act, with the American, Res with the, you know, all of the things that we did in the last uh, Congress to make sure that we were addressing these issues. And we've got to do that now as well, because again, this is our now and our future that we're talking about. Couldn't agree more. I, I'd love to go deeper into just a couple of the ideas here. And um, let, let's talk a moment about how the Open Back Better uh, prioritizes environmental justice. Yeah. We did a recent episode raising awareness about the need for cleaner air. And we're now starting to see people become more aware of air quality indoors as well as outdoors. And what we talked about on the earlier episode was that something like scaling electric vehicles can improve air quality everywhere for everyone. Is there a similar link that you see when it comes to buildings in terms of how we can improve health and environmental outcomes for everyone? Uh, most definitely. As a matter of fact, as I talked about the Energy and Commerce Committee, um, we have different subcommittees and I'm on the Energy uh, Subcommittee, as well as the Environment and Climate Change Subcommittee, as well as the Health Subcommittee. And as I said, there is a direct correlation between our health outcomes and indoor and outdoor air quality. There's a direct correlation between those. And so one of the areas that we um, focus on is something called the social determinants of health. Meaning it's not just, do I have a doctor? 
but it's also where do I live? Do I live near someone that a, a facility that might have toxic exposure to to it? Do I live in uh, in housing that the carpets are creating asthma for my children, or there's not a good roof? Um, all of these things, in terms of that that built infrastructure, has a direct impact on our physical health and then on our mental health as well. I mean, that, that's connected to it as well. And so the bill, our, our Open Back Better bill, was really focused, again, on making sure that we have these grants that go to those local communities, but also targets um, those communities that are disproportionately impacted by you know, all, all of the issues that deal with not just the, the climate and the things we talked about, but even cost. When we're more energy efficient, we save dollars. And that translates to customers as well, translates to businesses as well. To the extent that we're energy efficient, that's cutting down on the cost as well. So there's a win-win-win connectivity to, to all of those. And, um, and I'm excited about our bill it happens to be a part of the Lift America package. It happens to be a part of the Clean Future uh, uh, bill as well as um, we're looking at the jobs plan uh, from the Biden administration as well. Well, that nexus with the jobs plan is really key. And we have a tremendous need at Siemens for technicians and automation specialists to run the smart buildings, the smart infrastructure of our future. And we're excited because these are good paying jobs. The skills can often be acquired through two-year programs at a community college. And in fact, something the Siemens Foundation is working on with partners is advancing a non-proprietary portable and industry recognized certification for the positions. As a leader on workforce development at both the state and federal level, what else do you think we can be doing to raise awareness about these good paying careers? You know, I, I think back to your first question about the, you know, the work that government and the private sector can do together. Um, I've, I've been blessed to live in different parts of the world, um, to travel and work. I worked in Jordan in the Middle East. I lived in China. Uh, I lived, my son was born in France. And one of the things that I noticed is that when I look at whether it's benefits or workforce development or infrastructure, these are key things that create a great quality of life, as well as our competitiveness globally. And so, you know, to me, as we look at our workforce, as a country, we underinvest compared to others in workforce development. And there are so many areas that we can be touching on. Everything from, you know, I talked about the great reassessment. How do we provide benefits in this country and, you know, the Affordable Care Act was something that was transformational because it allowed people like my kids who are millennials to be able to work as entrepreneurs. But at the same time, what kind of things do we do to prepare that workforce, starting all the way in middle school and maybe even earlier? Um, one is the career pathways, looking at pathways to jobs just like you just described, Barbara to make sure that we invest in young people earlier. I have a bill called the Jobs Act. And part of that bill is to say that 
we should be able to get Pell Grants for short-term programs, for cert certifications. Maybe somebody doesn't want to go to a four-year college or need it for the type of work that is their purpose on this planet. And so part of it is for us in government to be creating the laws and creating the space and the flexibility and then for the private sector to be able to partner with us, it's like right now, one of the big areas that we've got to, you know, we've got shortages, just like what you mentioned, is computer science. And as we're doing with cyber issues, um, these are the kind of things, supply chain issues, these are the kinds of things that, you know, we've got to look at and apprenticeship programs very excited about doing more in that space. I got a chance to go to Germany about right before the pandemic and just see some of the things that, you know, companies like yours are doing around the globe as it pertains to apprenticeships. So I think there, is, there are many opportunities, but it kind of goes back to what I was saying about the awareness, the acknowledging of it, acting on it, and then the accountability. I'm thrilled to be uh, sharing with a pretty wide audience these days that we are working a lot on apprenticeships, bringing that German model here, but but using an American accent yeah. <laughs> to, uh, to find ways to get these programs really cranking so that, so that what you see is multiple pathways to great jobs. Mm -hmm. One last question here. You know, we hear the expression a lot that it'll be nice to get back to normal. But I'm thinking about that differently, and I sense you are as well. We're not going back. We're going forward. Yes. And in this idea of opening back better, what I'm hearing is the concept that if there's another pandemic, next time we'll be ready. Next time we'll have the tools to avoid things like costly lockdowns. How do we sustain this effort to shape the future, this sense of urgency as the company, as the country reopens, and maybe life does seem more like it was pre-pandemic? Yeah, that's, that's a phenomenal question. And, you know, it's sort of like not letting the, letting history repeat itself and learning those lessons. And I think part of it is, you know, my message to everybody is, just do your part. And that means to me, we don't wanna go back. We do wanna go forward. There are so many lessons, as I said in the beginning that we've learned in terms of, you know, how do we include everyone? How do we raise all boats? Um, for me, you know, even when I look back on how I ran for Congress, I never ran for anything in my life until I ran for Congress. And I ran over the age of 50. Um, I had just lost my husband the year before unexpectedly, uh, ruptured his Achilles tendon and blood clots, went to his heart and lungs and at 52, this incredible, brilliant, funny, humble love of my life passed away. And I always try to remember when I asked, why did that happen? Why do these things happen? Because the pandemic is one thing, but we see extreme weather situations that are causing havoc, wreaking havoc. We see you know, issues of dealing with our struggles with race and gender and all of the isms out there. And, the, and, and, and when I asked God, why? It was clear we're here on this planet just to love and be loved. And that includes loving ourselves. And I hope people are taking care of themselves in this moment. You can't have a sense of urgency and work on these issues if you're not 
taking care of yourself, everything from mental health to spiritual to physical. Love, love yourself, how you talk to yourself and being kind to yourself. Love each other. It's easy to love people you love. It's harder to love people you don't. In this moment, if there's a family member that you haven't talked to in the past four years, call them. Say hi to somebody on an elevator. It could be the one thing that picks up their day. Love each other. Love this planet. Without the planet, it is a mood point. It's marvelous. Love it. Take care of it. And if you believe in God, love God. That's it. When you do those things, you don't want to see anybody homeless. You don't want to see anybody hungry. You don't want to see them not have clean air and water. Love. That creates the sense of urgency. That's the North Star. Love. Congresswoman, that's quite an inspiration. And, I, and I'll take this moment to ask a question I like to ask to close out each episode of The Optimistic Outlook. And that is, you've, you've told us about a series of actions, a set of initiatives that you really are driving. Paint for us the picture. What does our future look like if we're successful in getting these initiatives rolling? Wow. If we're successful, it, it, it is that beloved community that Martin Luther King talked about. It is, you know, justice. It is um, understanding that we are connected. And there's a, a term that, you know, it's a, a South African term that tribes use that really means um, we see you. It, it, it looks like I see you, the good in you, you see the good in me. We are building this place where there's um, a focus on our environment and making sure that our jobs are things that help lift and sustain families and communities. It looks like love. It looks like peace. It looks like we can just breathe and be. Congresswoman, this has been a delightful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks, Barbara. And thanks to all of uh, my, my friends out there in Siemens world. Uh, thank you so much. Take care. Four A's. Four A's to get us on a path to building the future that we want. I hope you're as impressed as I am as we think about how our built infrastructure, the intersection of that built infrastructure with jobs and just what this can do for America all comes together in the words of the Congresswoman. I hope you'll now go to our show notes. We'll direct you to resources about the Open Back Better Act, how we can transform our buildings and an open letter on infrastructure I wrote to government leaders earlier this year. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or to the Siemens YouTube channel. And for show notes and more, go to Siemens.com optimist.